is the first fruit of the Spirit. Think about that. First fruit, that's what God wants is from us is first fruit. And what does he want more than anything? Love. I mean, you know, that, that's what we're getting into. So I just want you to hang on to that thought. You want to pull up Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23? That is where you'll find the fruits of the Spirit. It's interesting, but um, if you never know how to find Galatians, it, you know, you got, you got your Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then it goes Acts, and then it goes Romans, and then First and Second Corinthians, and then it goes... Gentiles eat popcorn. Gentiles eat popcorn. If you can remember that, you'll remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Gentiles eat popcorn. Corn. It was corny, sorry. That's what I'm about. I'm about dad jokes. Okay? So when you read the book of Galatians... And and if you've never read it, you really should read it. And basically, it's talking about the struggle between the law and grace. Nice. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. And it is. That's the title. And if you don't remember anything, you want to remember that. Just because really, fruits of the Spirit comes from where? The Spirit, from the Spirit. That's where the fruit comes from. And so it's interesting. It's awesome. So it's in chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. You got it? It's not coming up here. Is it not coming up here? Wow, I'm going to have to read it. That's too big. You're, you're doing awesome, Katie. I threw you up under the fire. It was my night to do it, but I'm, Isaac asked me to speak, so I thought, oh. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Nice. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control against there is no law. And that's, that's the, the struggle of the law versus faith or grace. That's, that's what it's about. It's about discovering grace, living under grace. I'm not saying that the law isn't important because it was crazy, but Jesus was asked the question about, well... Should we keep the law? I mean, now that you're here, I mean, we're supposed to obey the law now or put our faith in you? And he says, I didn't come to change the law. I came to fulfill the law. He said that, that he's not going to change one dot or tittle. These are the smallest punctuations in, in the Hebrew language was a dot or a tittle. And he's not to change anything. He came to fulfill it by grace. Huh? A Hebrew symbol for pronunciation. I didn't look it up. I just know that's what he said. I didn't look it up. I just know that's what he said. Do you want to look it up for me and tell me since you got your phone? Okay. But that, that's what we're going to talk about is love. So the question is, 
What is love, right? It's a great question. Everybody wants to know. You know, as a young person, what you guys have been seeing, love is an emotion. It's a feeling, right? I want to give you God's, one of God's definitions of love. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Starting, let's just read first the first three verses, Katie. Is that it? 13, verses 1 through 3. Nice. If I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels. Paul's saying, if I can speak in the tongues, in tongues all the time, he says, even of angels, but have not love, I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's, That's verse 1. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have faith so that I can remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. I'm useless to nobody. And even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So he's saying that if you can do a lot of great things, but if you don't have love, you're just making noise. You're just, pardon my expression, pissing into the wind, right? (laughs) I've heard that many times before. (laughs) And if you've ever done that before, you'd probably never want to do it again, right? But it's it's an expression, and it's something that uh, love... (laughs) don't do it do not do it (laughs) yes but so let's go on and and, and go to verse 4 through 8a hey I'm here all night just saying yeah (laughs) that's right I get to leave at 9 so 1 Corinthians chapter 13, start, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there is prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. And whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Everything else will vanish if you continue on when, when Christ returns. Everything else will vanish. It's just love. That's all that will remain. Because that's all that we'll need. Because knowledge will just be there. We won't need it anymore. That's interesting. (laughs) It's a great thought. Um, But none of those that we just read are an emotion. Did you hear that? None of them is a feeling. God said 
love are all these things. Can feelings come from love? You bet. <laughs> you bet. I mean, love is an amazing thing. See, she's got Google eyes there. You see that? <laughs> love in action. So, so love is not a feeling. But it, feelings can come if you have love. love I'm, I just want to give you some Bible verses to chew on about love. Because if we don't have love and we don't understand love, we're just making noise. So I don't want to make noise. I do. Okay, I just lied. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Gosh, I lost the game. Wow. (laughs) You know... Love can be emotional, but really what, what God is talking about is love is unconditional. It, what he's saying there is it, there's no, if, you, if you love, you're not going to get angry. You're not going to be jealous. You're not going to provoke somebody. You're not, you're not going to do all those things that are listed. You're, you're going to have the best thoughts about people if you love them. You're, you're going to think good. You're not going to come into, into somebody's presence thinking bad things about it. It's not going to think evil. You're going to think about the best, and you're going to, and you're going to want to do. I, I love in Ephesians where he's talking about relationships between husbands and wives, and I'm not going to read it, but, but he starts out and he says, you must submit to one another. It's crazy, you know, because then later he says, women, you, wives, you need to submit to your husbands. He doesn't repeat, men, you need to submit to your wives. He says, husbands, you need to lay your life down for your wives, which is way more. Not just submit, but lay your life down. It's way bigger, you know. So God puts much more of a burden on love for men than he does for the women. So it's interesting, but but men want women to submit. But we're supposed to lay our lives down. And that's what God wants in love is a surrender. It's, it's amazing. So, if you, if you, will you pull up 1 Corinthians 13, 13? <laughs> Just verse 13. And it says, thirteen thirteen. It's all right. Did I write 313? <laughs> I hope. Nice. I can read it because I have it open. Nice. And now abide faith, hope, and love. So he talks about a lot of things. And then he says there's three things that are important. Faith, hope, and love. Faith in God, hope that he's going to return, and, and love for other people so you can bring that to him. He says, these three things, but the greatest of these is love. <clears throat> love is it's, it's so important in God's thing. I want to read you, you know, if, I, I, I usually never bring out Song of Solomon. <laughs> I know, you know, with youth, because sometimes they get embarrassed. But Song of Solomon is, is gosh, it's, it's romantic. It's, it's about a king and his wife. 
one of his wives. He's got a bunch of wives. This was probably his favorite wife. <laughs> it's King Solomon. And it's chapter 8, and it's verse 6 and 7. Do you have it? Nice. It says, set me as a seal upon your heart. This is Solomon talking to his wife. As a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. It flames, its flames are flames of fire, of a most vehement flame. (laughs) Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. He's, he's saying that you can't pour a bucket of water over love and put it out. <laughs> it just, it, it's flaming inside your heart. If you really love someone, nothing can put it out. If you really love them, it's crazy. But... Many waters can't quench love. (laughs) If you still love them, it it still won't work. You'll still love them, no matter what they do. You just trust. 1 Peter 4.8 is a a verse. It basically says love conquers a multitude of sins. Isn't that crazy? And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover cover a multitude of sins. I mean, that... I'm here. I'm here. Seth just turned me down. Seth! (laughs) So... I mean, these are all things about love. It it just tells me the importance of love, real love. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. And it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on... Is that the right one? It might be. Yeah. Therefore, as the elect of God, how... Holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I mean, it's important to God. He, is, he says it all the way through his word, that he wants us to put on love. It, it, it binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's what the Amplified Version says. Binds everything together in perfect harmony. I mean, that's what I want, is to be bound in perfect harmony. I want to open up John 2, or John chapter 15. And, and Jesus was saying these things the night before he was crucified. So he's speaking to his disciples the last night before they go out to the garden, and he's talking to them, and he says, starting in verse 9, 
You got it? As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. to read it with me okay and if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things i have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full this is my commandment that you love one another as i have loved you greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Did you hear that? (laughs) I mean, did, did you really hear that? I mean, he's saying... You didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you. Your job is to bear fruit. One of the fruits are the fruit of the Spirit, right? We're talking about go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. He's saying that to his disciples just before they scattered. I mean, this is literally hours before they scattered. They ran. Peter denied him three times, denied knowing him. Um, But he said, there's no greater love than for one to lay down his life for his friends. And then he went and laid down his life for him and for us. I mean, he said that, and within hours, he went and laid down his life for us. That's crazy. Um, One more section of scripture, 1 John chapter 4. And Katie, I'm just going to read out of here. I know, but I want to I read it out of here. It's crazy, but it's, the chapter starts with this. Beloved, do not put faith in every spirit, but prove and test the spirits to discover where they proceed from God. For many false prophets have gone forth into the world. God says we're supposed to test the spirits. That means everything. The fruits of the spirit, the spirit, test them. Pray, seek God, ask for wisdom in everything. Do that. He says, by this you will know and perceive and recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit which acknowledges and confesses the fact that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has become man and has come into the flesh is of God. If you, you, you confess that he is Lord, you're from God. But if you don't confess that Jesus is Lord, I mean, that's a spirit. You know, he's given us an example of what not to trust. He says, in every spirit which does not acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, but would annul, destroy, sever, disunite him, is not of God and does not proceed from him. This non-confession is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you heard that is coming and is now already in the world. And boy, right now, more than ever, the spirit of the Antichrist is out there. I mean, 
saying that Jesus isn't God. I mean, it's tough to even say and confess Jesus to people regularly, outspoken, because people will shoot you down, and they get angry. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. I was out handing out pamphlets um, up at the folk festival and uh, went up to a lady, and she just says, get away from me, you spawn of Satan. <laughs> she called me a spawn of Satan because I was talking about Jesus. I was like, what? <laughs> but, but people are antagonistic. He says, little children, you are of God. You belong to him and have already defeated and overcome the agents of the Antichrist. Because he who lives in you is greater and mightier than he who is in the world. They proceed from the world and are of the world. Therefore, it is out of the world. It's the whole morality and that they speak and the world listens and pays attention to them. We are the children of God. Whoever is learning to know God progressively and perceive, recognize, and understand God by observation and experience and to get an ever clearer knowledge of him listens to us, and he who is not of God does not listen or pay attention to us. By this we know the spirit of the truth and the spirit of error. Then he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. What he's saying is, um, unless you go to the source, you're not going to understand love, because it comes from him. He is love. We have to go to the source to get it. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love springs from God, and he who loves is begotten of God, and coming to know and understand God, he who does not love has not become acquainted with God, and does not ever and did not know, for God is love. That's, that's real love. I mean, laying down your son. He gave up his son for us. His son laid his life down for us. His spirit was there during the whole time. It's the only time in all of time that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were separated. Separated because of our sin. They went through it because of us. The pain that they went through. Amazing. But it says God is love. And he says, He who does not love has not become acquainted with God. For God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest where we are concerned in that God sent his son, the only begotten son, into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Big word, propitiation, which means he atoned through his sacrifice. He took our place. It says, Beloved, if God loves us so very much, we also ought to love one another. I mean, if the least we could do, because of his great love, we should love one another. I mean, when somebody's misbehaving, should we get mad at them or love them? If somebody is being mean to you, should you get mad at them or love them? God wants you to love them. He really does. And if they don't accept it, end up heaping coals on top of coals of fire on top of their head. But at least you do is love, because I'm telling you, whenever I've loved somebody, they've loved me back. I just very seldom has anybody ever responded in a poor way. 
It's, that's the way, it's, it's God's formula. If we love, people will get it. I mean, that's what it's all about, is love. That's, what, that's the first fruit of the Spirit. If we don't have it, we're nothing. It says, beloved, if God loved us so very much, we also ought to love one another. No man has at any time seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is brought to completion in us. By this we come to know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given to us his Holy Spirit. So that's the fruit of the Spirit. He gives you the, the, the Holy Spirit to love. And if you ask him, he'll help you to love. I know, I, I witnessed my mom who was so angry at her father for all the things that he did to her that she, she said she'd rather go to hell if my, fa- if my grandfather put his faith in Christ and got to go to heaven. My mom said, I don't want to go if my dad goes. He did some bad things. My mother was physically, sexually, mentally abused by her father from the time she was eight years old. It was horrible. I didn't know it. But she had all this pent-up anger that she held on to all her life for a long time. And when my grandfather was 80 years old, he got cancer, and he was dying, and he said he had months to live. And he called my mom, and he said, I'd like to see you again before I die. My mom said, hey, I don't want to go see him, but if you'll come with me, John, I'll go. (laughs) I was a new Christian, and I thought, Okay, my mom's got a lot of anger for my grandpa. I'll go. And I went. And uh, every time that I, while I was there, I, we went to the zoo. We went to a lot of different things in Portland. Portland's kind of a cool town. There's a lot of cool sights to see. You can go to the zoo. You can go um, to the Rose Garden. You like to smell flowers. Oh, my gosh. The Rose Garden down, oh, my gosh. It just smells beautiful. I, I, I've never smelled anything like it. I love the smell of roses. But uh, I would share with Grandpa and start talking to him about Jesus. And my mom would just walk away. And I'm like, what is going on? And it was, it was something that I, I didn't understand. And so we got on the plane to leave. And my Grandpa didn't put his faith in Christ while I was there. But I had a cousin who was a believer. And I just asked him to keep sharing Jesus with my Grandpa. And uh, so I talked with my mom on the plane. And I said, Mom, what's going on? I said, every time I talk to Grandpa about Jesus, you walked away. How come? And then she said that to me. And I said, what did he do? And that's when she explained all the bad, evil things that he did to her. I mean, he locked her in a closet for three days with her brother when she was nine years old. He gave him a gallon of water and a loaf of bread and a bucket to go potty in. You know, I, I don't know if anybody's been locked in a closet for three days, but I have never been locked in a closet for three days. And I couldn't imagine, you know, being total darkness, being left alone. Um, there, there was a lot of things. And so my mom was so angry at her dad that she said, I would rather go to hell than to be in heaven with my, my father. And uh, took the wind out of my sails. I had to do some praying. I had to do some soul searching. I had to do some 
I mean, I don't know what you do, but I prayed. And I, I kept loving my mom. And I knew the last thing I wanted for my mom was to not be in heaven, to not forgive her father. Because the Bible's pretty clear. It says in the Lord's Prayer and, and four or five other places, it says that if you can't forgive, you can't be forgiven. You must forgive. We must forgive. And my mom wasn't going to forgive her dad. And I, I just started praying, and I asked my mom, just start praying to God. Pray the Holy Spirit comes and helps you to forgive your father. He's not here. So, so what happened was is, um, six months later, I got a call from my grandfather. And he said, John, I just prayed to give my life to Jesus. <laughs> pretty pretty uh, uh, tough call, right? Because in my mind, I heard the devil say to me, oh, your mom's going to hell now. <laughs> I heard it, you know. It's kind of crazy, but I heard it. I heard it. And, and I tried to get excited, but I really wasn't inside. And I said, thanks, Grandpa. And he says, well, Gary wanted me to call you and tell you. And I appreciate it, Grandpa. Thank you. What I should have said was, Grandpa, will you call Mom and tell her you're sorry? That's what I should have said. But I didn't because all the other emotions were welling up in me, and I was like, ah, I was kind of overjoyed and, and sad at the same time. And then three days later, my grandfather died. And uh, he never asked my mom to forgive him. And my mom never got a chance to talk to him about it. It was tough. But over the next year, I prayed with my mom. I cried for my mom. I prayed for her and I prayed with her. And uh, one day she called me and she goes, John, guess what? I forgave Grandpa today. I was like overjoyed, you know, overjoyed because now my mom and my grandpa are going to be in heaven. But it wasn't me. It was God and his love because my mom was reading things and she was praying and she was going to church. She was singing and she was finding joy. And my kids were praying for her. My kids were encouraging her. And, and it's just something that love says will overcome and conquer a multitude of sins. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy, but um, I was uh, listening to ra- the radio a couple weeks ago, and they had this, um, they talked about D.L. Moody, and many of you probably never heard of D.L. Moody. He lived from 1837, I think it was, to 1899. He was uh, Moody Bible Institute is in Chicago. It's a it's a great place for missionaries to go get trained to go out in the field. Dio Moody was a, a missionary. He was an evangelist. He was a pastor. He was a discipler. He built um, after the Civil War. He had a, a um, training place for women to go to be discipled and to learn how to be you know. In the Bible. And uh, he just built all kinds of things. But in 1869, D.L. Moody went to England on a missionary trip. And he was going around to all the different communities in England and preaching. And a revival broke out in England. And he went to Ireland. And a lot of them were like, 
He went to England, and then he went to Ireland. You know, he went to the Protestants, and then he went to the Catholics. You know, but D.L. Moody was, he was what you call non, one of the first of the non-denominational people, the pastors. But D.L. Moody said, was, was, he, he went and he, he preached, and, and there was a revival that broke out in, in, in Ireland. And it was crazy. The people were so excited. I mean, thousands of people were coming to the Lord. And they've never seen anything like that in, in England, probably not even America at the time. And uh, he, uh, he had called a, a bunch of pastors together. And he got them together, and he wanted to encourage them. And he was encouraging them. And, and one of them said, just raised his hand, he says, D.L., he says, what's your secret? What's different about you and, than me and everybody else in here? Because nobody had had fruit like D.L. Moody had fruit. And he says, well, come over here and look out this window. And they went and looked out a window. And he says, what do you see? And they said, well, I see a lady walking a dog. I see a, a, a wife pushing a carriage with a little baby. And I see, they, they said what they saw. <laughs> and, and, and that's what was go out there, right? And they said, so Dio, what do you see? And he says, I see people on fire. I see people going to hell. I see people without the love of God, and they need God's love. That's why I do what I do, because I know that there's, there's hell, and there's, there's heaven, and I want them to be in heaven. And that's what I see. It was like, Theo Moody had a love for people. He didn't want to see anyone go to hell. I don't either. It's funny. Um, Every time I wear this shirt, um, Caitlin says, hey, you got your bird shirt on. Because <laughs> if any of you guys know Gary Swant, Gary's got, a, got these shirts like this. And they're his burden shirts. And my wife gave this to me. And so I'm here to tell you this is not a bird shirt. This is a fishing shirt. And God's called me to be a fisher of, God's called me to be a fisher of men. What? It's a fishing shirt. I'm telling you. I know. No. Fishing for men. God calls us to be fishers of men. And I wore this today because I was going to get a preach. And I was excited. Because I know that whenever you preach, there's going to be somebody there who has never surrendered their life to Christ. And there's going to be somebody there who has but is not on fire for Christ. God doesn't want anybody lukewarm. God wants us to love. He wants us to love people. He wants us to, to surrender. He wants us to give our lives up for other people. And if we're not willing to do that, why are we here? We're just making noise. That's what we read. We're just making noise. And God doesn't want us to make noise. He wants us to, to be on fire for him. He wants us to love Jesus. He wants us to share the hope. And, and that's what I'm doing tonight. And I hope that you catch something from this so that you know that when you go to East Middle School, when you go to Butte High, there's literally hundreds of kids. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. There's going to be hundreds of kids that don't know Jesus and need to know Jesus. Pray that, I mean, one of the things that I went to a, 
a, a Christian workers conference when I was brand new Christian. I was starting to do youth ministry at our church, and uh, there was a guy named Al Denson. <laughs> you should Google him. He sang. He got in a plane wreck and almost died, and God, God brought him out of that. But he sang some songs that were back in the day in the seventies and eighties were awesome. He was in the front line of Christian. Um, contemporary Christian artist. He was one of the first ones. But he got all the youth pastors together. <laughs> That's a dangerous thing, I'm just saying. <laughs> and he got us all in a room, and he said, he said, I just want to let you know that I was in a bad place, and I was a youth leader. And he came up and put his arm around me and loved me and pulled me out of my 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 sin. He said he loved me and he encouraged me. And uh, he said, if it wasn't for you guys, there's a lot of kids in this world that would be lost, would be, in, would be struggling. And uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. He says, but I'm going to encourage you to pray. Pray this for kids. Pray, God, show me, show me your heart for them. Break my heart for them and show me what your heart is for them. And, and, and that, when Dio Moody showed that, we talked, when they played that on the radio, it just reminded me of what Al Denson said. Kind of just renewed a spark that's inside of me. I, I just hope that there's a spark that gets inside of you guys, that you, you could learn to love people the way Christ loved people, not the way the world does. The world's looking for something for every, out of everybody. God just wants you to love them unconditionally. Be patient. <laughs> Be kind. Have the fruits of the Spirit. And of the greatest of those is love. That's what he says. So let's pray. Father, you said that we can love because you first loved us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for choosing us. And I just pray that if there's somebody in this room that doesn't know you, that they wouldn't leave this room until they've, they've surrendered their life to you because you're, you've called them. You brought them here tonight, God. And I just pray, Father, for, for you to speak to our hearts. You, you give us a heart like the Moody for the lost, for those that are broken. God, I just pray thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name.